I know that deep down you want people to feel bad for you so they feel obligated to buy your coaching package mm. versus actually just putting out a product that's so good that people don't have any other choice but to buy it. And that's what drives me crazy. And I think to your earlier point about how do you deal with failure, I know you're good buddies with Tim Kennedy. I just love that quote of hurry up and fail. Let's go. Welcome to Citizen. We've got a special guest today, Brett Ender from Meat Mafia. How's it going? Good, brother. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for we're sure. Gonna, yeah, we're gonna do this. I thought we we're gonna do this fully vertical. No, that's what we talked about when you came on our show a couple months ago. I don't remember that, dude. To be honest, fully vertical. What does that mean? Like standing Just up. Just standing up. The oh no, I don't time. do that. I'm lazy as shit. Yeah. Um, although we have my buddy Mickey Gall is a UFC fighter. He mm. always stands up during the show, even if everybody else is sitting down. So we have to adjust camera angles for uh, his princess ass every yeah. time you know yeah so i'm trying to be low maintenance here he's a boston boy right um i think they're jersey okay I think he's from jersey yeah nice um i don't remember is that where you're from boston? That was, that's i'm from uh, i'm from jersey originally and then i played baseball in college up in boston it's absolutely miserable what uh what school do you go to up there so i first played at um a division one school in new jersey called seton hall university so i had a mm. scholarship to everybody go there. knows what seton hall is i think I think so. It's a big East school. Well, in basketball. Yeah, they're good at basketball. They have a good baseball team too. And then wasn't playing much there. So I just transferred to uh, to Babson, which is a small business school up in Boston, just to try and get a good education. And um, yeah, that was that's where I went to school. Um, what kind of school is Babson? Like, it, what, what did you major in, I guess? It's interesting because it's actually a straight business school. Mm. It's only 2,500 students. And if you graduate from Babson, you have a degree, a, a bachelor's in business administration but they're known for their entrepreneurship program. Mm. And that's really interesting because like 99% of kids I went to school with are just in corporate jobs, whether it's, you know, finance, accounting, consulting, et cetera. There's very few people that go on to actually start their own businesses, even though it's an entrepreneurial school. Mm. That's weird. Yeah. Uh, what do you, why do you think that is? I think what's interesting because I've learned so much more about building businesses from YouTube than I ever actually did in college. And I think it's just the programming of these higher ed institutions, just teaching you to become really good employees, you know, focus on, you know, 401k benefits, incentives, the security that comes mm -hmm. with that versus all the opportunity that exists to actually become a, a business owner. It's like, you know, I look, my girlfriend's dad is a plumber. He's been doing it for 30 years, does super well for himself. And I remember in high school thinking almost like looking down the on trade jobs because that's mm. what I was taught. And now it's like, if I was to recommend my own kid, hey, should I get a trade job or go to college? I'm like, you should definitely get a trade job when you're 17, 18 yeah. years old. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it would have made a lot of sense for everybody to do something like that. I mean, the, the I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's one, if it's the cart leading the horse or, or what, but, um, all these tech careers, I think a lot of it is fake, to be honest. I don't yeah. think a lot of those jobs are real. We saw that over the last couple of years with um, Facebook and Google both axed between ten and 25000 mm -hmm. each. When Elon Musk took over Twitter, he fired, what, 7,500 people or some yeah. bullshit like that. Um, and then you look at the way that the apps operate, Uber, uh, you know, DoorDash, all these apps that provide not streaming ads, but ones that provide a physical service of some sort. 
they've been operating in the red the, the entire mm. time they've existed. It's all kind of a shell game. I think it's like uh, it's like an IPO. You're pumping and dumping. Yeah. But it it had the, I guess, short term benefit of creating all these uh, tech jobs, and now because <clears throat> that was the that was the phraseology back in the day when coal and other fucking labor uh, manual labor jobs started to get attacked. They're like, well, just learn to code. Yeah. They built up this industry that doesn't actually need that many people. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it, it's just classical mission creep or bureaucratic bloat and now you have a fuckload of kids with student loans um who can't get jobs to pay commensurate with their what they thought would be their value right totally so we kind of butt fucked the next gen we'll we'll make a a comeback in this iteration of the economy over the next uh two or three years but long term we're kind of fucked to be honest i don't know how we're going to dig our way out of this yeah and I, i see it with a lot of people that I went to school with, because I'm in that, I'm 29, so I'm in that demographic where you're starting to see a lot of people get engaged, get married, want to have kids, they're looking at purchasing their first homes. I'm from Jersey, as I mentioned, and like the average price of a house there is like, for a shitty house Mm. is like 900K. So no one can really afford everything. The amount of friends that I have that are living at home with their parents or, you know, they're forced to rent and they can't really afford like a shitty starter house is pretty incredible. And I'm Mm. seeing that real time. And I also appreciated some of the comments you said about the bloat that's in tech because I actually started my career off at a fintech company for three years. I was the first sales rep that they hired. Mm. So I was employee number 30. When I left, I think we had grown at close to 200 employees. And to your point, it's like what was driving the business was a couple really good sales professionals, a couple really good engineers, and everything else was just like this artful choreography and bullshit. And um there's this weird, like altruistic veil that I think a lot of these tech companies have too. Mm. And I think a good example of that is when the George Floyd situation happened, we had a company stand up and we basically had every black person at the company talk about their feelings what? events Who about cares? George Floyd. It was like 10 of them. And my buddy who's like pretty middle of the road had to speak and he was like, yeah, I was super uncomfortable doing this. And I don't know if this is a dumb statement or not, but there's part of me that respects investment bankers more than people that are in tech because I at least respect the fact that they're just in that industry to make a shitload of mm. money. I at least respect the transparency of that versus the the altruistic veil that I think a lot of these tech companies have. Yeah, I mean, it's that used to be um, one of the, if you went to any of the tech conventions or, or whatever, or even if you just read their prospectuses when they were startups, so many of them had a, the the same tagline, which is, uh, we're going to make the world a better place. Like, yes. shut the fuck up, dude. Just yeah. say you're a business and you're trying 100%. to make money. I don't I don't respect that shit at all um, because you're trying to, like, weaponize empathy against people. But that's – well, we'll talk about more of that uh, here in a minute. Tell me about uh, – god damn it. Tell me about um, your upbringing. Where would you grow up and uh, what, what were your parents like? What did they do? Yeah, so uh, really good upbringing. I grew up in Princeton, New Jersey. I grew up about 10 minutes away from Princeton University's mm-hmm. campus, so really nice town. So not far away from Einstein then. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, Einstein. And, and, I think um, his house is still there. It is still there. Right down the street, yeah. Yeah, and um, I think he recently passed away, but whoever um, whoever beautiful mind actually was too. Oh, yeah, John Nash. You yeah. would literally just see him pacing yeah. and just like talking to himself on yeah. the streets, which is pretty interesting. So, yeah, but I grew up in that town, really good upbringing. Great parents. I have one sister. I only have one sibling. Uh, dad played college baseball as well. He's been in consulting his entire career. Mm. You know, both my both my parents super blue collar upbringing. My you know mom's dad was a meter reader, an electrician, worked multiple jobs. 
Um, my dad's dad was um, was also an electrician as well, actually electrical engineer, and um, just kind of was instilled with those those blue collar principles and mm-hmm. work ethics. So you know, my dad's had a really good career, but they've always just raised us, our, my sister and I, just the right way with good principles, work hard. You know, pursue baseball as hard as you can, focus on grades, just being a, a good human being, having a faith component as well. So, you know, it's something I see a lot with my buddies that are fucked up. It's amazing how many of them have either some type of a gap with the father or like some type mm-hmm. of a father wound there. And I've always felt that that's, it's almost like when you have good parents, your obligation is just to not fuck things up at that point because you're given such a great hand. And I feel like that's kind of how I was raised. Yeah, I wonder if people who did have solid upbringings are starting to notice that because it, it's easy to take that kind of thing for granted. I mean, if you've always been surrounded by um, supportive people, it just that's that's just how it is for you, right? Totally. Like, you don't you don't know what it's like to not have that. So, I mean, I can imagine that because my life was uh, my childhood was wasn't great, um, mm. but <clears throat> you know, it's uh, I could see. Just just having visited the Middle East, I could see even with my not-so-great childhood, I still took a lot of stuff for granted. It was, mm. um, you know, just not having to worry about dying, mm. for example, right, is, uh, is a pretty big pretty big deal, apparently. Yeah. Um, it gives you a lot of leadway to do different shit and uh, take chances and stuff like that. And I think uh, that's, the, that's the real problem that we're seeing with this safetyism nonsense these days uh, where, you know, suburban families have gotten really comfortable, which is good. That's a good thing to some degree to not have to worry about existential threats. But, you know, the parents, the boomer generation especially, but even now the Gen X generation who have kids have dropped the ball insofar as figuring out a way to, to... stimulate and motivate their kids to go mm-hmm. do shit right yeah like the point of getting comfortable was well i mean there's two pathways you can take you can become introspective and that is that way madness lies mm. right uh, you're just sitting around thinking about life and shit like that and and th- th- this is what a lot of people used to talk about back in the day that once we become comfortable we can start looking inward and discover more about ourselves like yeah what what the fuck does that even mean what does that mean like what to see how fucking fragile i am and then make that my identity your identity is what you choose to do with your time Mm -hmm. right whether you choose to you know be a good or bad person whether you choose to focus on yourself or other people whether you choose to do the right thing or not whether you choose to uh you know engage in things and with people who share your values and stuff like that that's your real identity it's what you do that's what batman said right yes like you are what you do basically yeah um and that's i think it became a big problem over the last 35 or 40 years or so with the last key kid thing um and now with the safetyism it's all kind of gone in one direction and that direction is to um instead of having training wheels on the tricycle that eventually come off, you're wrapped in bubble wrap for mm-hmm. your entire life, right? Mm-hmm. So you never then, then you have to go out into the wild and parents wonder like, well, why is my kid 25 and still living with me? It's because you fucking failed. That's Definitely. why. That it's if you have a 25-year-old living with you at home right now and they're not physically disabled or uh, there's some other extenuating circumstance going on, you have failed. Yes. Right? 
But the good news is you can correct that now with a fucking just beat the Christ out of them with a fucking metal rod or something and get them out of your house. I love that. Um, Probably something less harsh than that, but, you know, figure it out, right? Like, you're not doing your kids. I I talked about this with someone the other day. We have have delayed maturity by Mm. not letting our kids be more exposed to to risk early Mm. on, right? Um, We... You you will as a human being you will mature as fast as you are required to mature right so yes. someone who loses their parents or they lose their dad and they have to start working early or if it's young if it's a teenage woman she gets pregnant she's got a child now mm-hmm. people will rise to that level yeah. Mo- like almost always it's it's crazy I've seen people even in their twenties and stuff but people who are complete retards right yeah have some kind of instance where now they've got to be mature and they, they, they just become mature overnight Definitely. almost. Um, and it's happened to people that I thought were complete shitbags before and they turned into good people afterwards. And that's the thing, right? That's the, if we say iron sharpens iron, the iron that sharpens you as a principled human being is the responsibility that you take on. Yes. You know what I mean? And delaying maturity doesn't do any benefit to the person and it definitely doesn't do any benefit uh, to society because now we have, you know, we have people who can't take care of themselves. Yep. That, that's fucked, right? Yeah. I um, We talked extensively about this when you came on my podcast, mm-hmm. which was an amazing episode. And you were talking a lot about this concept of instead of going internal and figuring out how you can be happy, the actual way to be happy is to just view, view yourself as a tool that can help society to be better and just add value. And um, I, had, I literally had chills when you were saying it because I think it was the advice that has been permeating in my brain for the last couple of years, especially as I kind of got out of the nest in the Northeast and have been doing my own thing through the podcast, through Noble, et cetera. Mm. And I think it's just the blunt, honest advice that a lot of men need to hear. And to your point, if you have a 25 year old that's living at home, you don't have a man, you have a man child. And I would think even with you as, you know, it sounds like there were some fucked up parts to your upbringing in your military experience. Mm. In a lot of ways, that's also your superpower, I think too, and why you're so successful. Yeah, it certainly helps. I mean, you know, uh, if you rise to the level of, you know, the challenge, I think that's Eye of the Tiger, right? Um, then, you know, you can beat uh, Clubber Lang eventually, yes. right? I mean, that's that's how it works. It's like uh, the <clears> – <throat> I think the phrase that I mentioned on your show is from Gandhi, and he said, if you want to truly find yourself, lose yourself in the service of yeah. others, right? Um, and that's true. Actually, it's it's – I think I talked about this on a show last week sometime, but um, Shia LaBeouf was on uh, John Bernthal's show recently, and he was talking about, you know, how he used to be a fucking piece of shit, mm-hmm. right? And he said, my entire life was about being happy. That was my goal in life, was to achieve maximum happiness for myself. And uh, it, it's that that is addiction, right? Mm-hmm. That's, the, that's the definition of addiction. Uh, you're constantly chasing that. High. And he said, now, after getting married and having a child, my uh, my goal is to be valuable. Yes. Right. To people, to society or whatever. And that like <clears throat> the Sigma male poison that's going around on the right right now, mm-hmm. uh, the black pill that they think they're fucking uh, like it, it's 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 hipster nonsense, really. Yeah. And it's cowardice. Like I'm taking my ball and going home or uh, girls were mean to me in high school. So I'm going to women have no value Definitely. to me now that's fucking stupid right um but the <clears throat> the truth is is like 
whether somebody calls you like you're simping for society or you're a bootlicker because you're working inside the confines of whatever the fuck society you're in, that's dumb, man. I mean, look, if you want to make change, then go make change. Mm-hmm. I support that, certainly. Um, but if you're just going to take your ball and go home and divest from society, then you're, uh, you don't exist to me anymore. Totally. You're a net, net negative, frankly, yeah. right? You're just leeching as much, like you're still benefiting from all the society yeah. that exists. You're safe, relatively safe from everything. You've got food security for the most part. You're benefiting from all the stuff and con- contributing nothing. You're a net negative. You're a piece yes. of shit, right? You're a fucking leech. You're the thing that you hate the most. Yes. And that's fucking sad to be honest yeah and i think that's one of the downsides to austin that i've noticed since i moved here a year ago and i'm sure you've noticed this far more extensively than me but it's interesting to go to these gyms and these health and wellness centers and you see all these people that are so lost like broke negative dollars in their bank account they're trying to do like somatic breath work and cold plunge and sauna as their means to get their life together and Mm -hmm. it's like no it just fucking takes hard work and that's really it and a mindset for me that's been really helpful because um, you know, I was making really good money at a young age when I was in my sales job and quit to do everything that we're doing with Mafia and Noble. And it's basically been two years of just almost every dollar we make, we just reinvest back into the business. And every once in a while, you have these like little pity parties where you're like, oh, I wish we were bigger. Or I wish mm. we were making this from sponsorships. And the most helpful thing for me has just been like, motherfucker, you literally chose to do this. You're trying to grow a podcast and a supplement company, two of the hardest businesses to grow. So if it was about money, you should just go back and take your old job, or you could just nut up, work harder, build the right contacts, and just see what happens over the course of five to 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of patience required for that, though. But mm-hmm. uh, the the good thing about that, and this is something that we've also failed kids with, um, and then, you know, failed ourselves with as well, I think, to, to a large degree because of a lack of discipline. But um, there is a big disconnect between and they're in the relationship between effort and outcome mm. these days, right? It's like this whining or the pity you may feel for yourself because things aren't going as good as they maybe could. Like, why should that be the expectation? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if you frame the problem in a way that it simply exists and it's something to deal with rather mm-hmm. than having it, like, you should. I, I think that you should more or less dispassionately apply the principles that you believe in to mm. life, right? This not not that you shouldn't have passion about certain things, but you you can't be uh, the highs and lows of trying to chase specific outcomes is a problem for people, I think. Um, and the reality of the situation is you can't control the outcome of things. You can control your attitude and your effort, right? Yeah. And the uh, outcomes will vary. You know, they should put that on the fucking, on any self-help book. Like, outcomes will vary from this um, because that's the reality of the situation. Now, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't, you know, shoot for the highest possible outcome. Obviously, you mm. should, right? I think, uh, well, you talked about John Nash. I don't know if he would agree with that because Nash's equilibrium theory says that we yeah. should work together and kind of, you know, whatever. But, um, uh, and he's not entirely wrong about that. But Keynesian economics would say that everybody, and this is uh, a pretty widely held opinion, that everybody should try to do the best for themselves and help others when they can, mm-hmm. right? I think is the widely held belief there, economically speaking. So, mm. you know, how do you how do you do that and not get upset about it? You know what I mean? Like how do you yeah. how do you deal with failure, I guess? I think it's a big problem for people. Yeah. Because 
it's there's two different two very different things and it's people get confused about these i think they overlap them in ways that they shouldn't um there's the spent cost fallacy right like i've spent so much time on this i have to keep going well if you were walking down a trail and the trail ended would you just like walk into the jungle yeah or would you turn around and go back the other way and figure out where you're going um the answer to that is very obvious uh it's not always so obvious in life but the other side of that coin is like when you meet resistance you can whine and buckle or you can just like okay well this is the thing i have to mm -hmm. do today like you wake up in the morning and it stormed last night and there's some tree branches in your yard just go mm -hmm. fucking pick them up yeah yep. you know what i mean that's just the way it is but somehow for for whatever reason i i, I i'm not entirely sure what it is and maybe it's different for everybody to some degree but we have reached this point in society where that happens and I have to go fucking whine about it on my phone. Mm. Like, oh, the worst thing happened to me today. Here's it yeah. just to like what I, I guess the only thing I can think of that makes that make sense is that uh, uh, victimhood in varying degrees is the prime social currency of our time. Yes. Right. Instead of success or fucking goodness like principled life yeah. it's victimhood has, has taken over those things yes it's very bizarre to me to be honest because there's no real value in that well i guess there is there's mm. dopamine value it's quick mm. right yes it's quick but it's like there's no intrinsic value to victimhood yeah well to your point you know i was talking a little bit about the austin fitness culture i know a dude that literally put a social media post with a screenshot of his bank account which was negative 350 dollars and effectively just throwing a pity party for himself and telling people that 2024 is the year of him like grinding and getting what, getting what he wants is building out his coaching business. And I'm like, I know that deep down you want people to feel bad for you so they feel obligated to buy your coaching package mm. versus actually just putting out a product that's so good that people don't have any other choice but to buy it. And that's what drives me crazy. And I think to your earlier point about how do you deal with failure, I know you're good buddies with Tim Kennedy. Mm. I just love that quote of hurry up and fail. And when I think about myself, dude, when I was in eighth grade, I got cut from the middle, middle school baseball team. That motivated the shit out of me. I actually learned how to understand work ethic, actually sharpening my ability, went on to have the second highest batting average in my high school's history, was all state, ended up getting 25 scholarships, went to Seton Hall, completely shit the bed, mm. anxiety, couldn't throw strikes, et cetera, got cut from that team which then led me to Babson, where I met some of my best friends, started developing a little bit more of an entrepreneurial skill set. Like all, for me, it's like all these failures I've learned sharpened me up so much. And so there's almost like this brainwashing that I try and do when shit's hitting the fan, whether we lose a client or something gets fucked up with the show or, hey, we have this you know founder difficulty with Noble. Mm. I just try and brainwash myself to be like, what you said, this isn't a problem. I just have a decision to make. Mm -hmm. And regardless, this is going to make me so much better if I can pack in these failure-laden moments when I'm 29. This episode is brought to you by ghostbed.com forward slash drink it bros, ghostbed. It's the best bed in the world. It's the most comfortable. Sheets, pillows, the whole thing. I've got them all, man. And, you know, they wanted to extend their best possible offer to Drinking Bros. They've been with us for a very long time. So this is the email they sent us. We want Drinking Bros to get the best offer. So I updated the code for 50% site-wide. That's 50% site-wide. Use the code Drinking Bros. Drinking Bros with no G. For 50% off site wide everything that you buy on this site is going to be 50 percent off again they get the best 
pillows, sheets, mattresses. They get the mattress protector. Uh, if you're if you're sloppy and spill things and you don't want to jack up your mattress, they have pretty much everything you need. They've got weighted blankets now. They've got the adjustable base, which we really like. I've got one in my home. So go to ghostbed.com forward slash Drink It Bros. Use the code Drink It Bros for 50% off site-wide. And don't forget about their pay-as-you-go plan. If you're with approved credit, you're going to be able to pay this thing off over the course of three to five years for 25 to 35 bucks a month. It's nothing. Go to ghostbed.com forward slash Drink It Bros today and use the code Drink It Bros for 50% off. This episode is also brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee. Dot com. The best coffee in the world. As a matter of fact, they won both the gold and bronze medal at the Golden Bean Awards this year for their exclusive coffee club entries in the elite category. So the best coffee on earth literally was Circus Bear by Black Rifle, one of their ECS. So I recommend that you go sign up for the Black Rifle Coffee Club. Use the code CITIZEN. You're going to get those points off. And, uh, you know, you get all the benefits from being in the coffee club. You get the free shipping. You get access to all the partner deals. Uh, uh, you get access to the exclusive coffee club. You get access to any new products that come out before anybody else does. You know, it's a very large club that they have over there. And the coffees are premium. Every single one of them is good. Uh, you, you're going to get experience for you. You can do just the plain coffee club. And if you want your two bags of, of uh, espresso or your two bags of silence or smooth or whatever it is you drink you can get those two bags or one bag or whatever you want every month or and or rather you can use the ecs the exclusive coffee club and get access to some of the most premium coffees on the planet and kind of learn what it is that you like you know what i mean so then you can order those premium coffees from black rifle as well so and we all know they got the best branding the best merch and their buddies you know we're all friends here uh, we love Black Rifle. So go to BlackRifleCoffee.com, sign up for the coffee club, or buy something. Do whatever you want. Um, use the code CITIZEN. You're going to get those points off. This episode is brought to you by FirstForm.com forward slash CITIZEN. Free shipping on all orders over $75 when you use the link. And you're not going to spend less than $75. Bucks. I mean, they get the best products in the world, especially the OptiGreens. You know me. I don't eat vegetables um, because they're fucking pointless. So... I supplement with OptiGreens 50 from First Form. It is precisely formulated green superfood powder meant for overall immune system support and digestive health. It's really good, aside from just getting the daily greens into your body that you need. And make sure, by the way, you're taking this with MCT because you have to take anything like this with MCT. 80% of your immune system is located in your gut and your digestive tract, right? So healthy digestion is essential for overall health and wellness, not to mention that most of your serotonin, I think 96% of your serotonin or 94% is made in your gut as well. So you're going to be in a better mood. You're going to feel better physically, and you're going to feel better mentally if you are taking these greens. OptiGreen 50 has 50 chosen ingredients, uh, effectively dosed. It's not necessarily how many ingredients there are, though, but it's, a, it's about the right amount of each. Taste and texture, no, like no other product in the market. It's not gritty. It doesn't have a weird flavor. It's got sweet berry flavors, actually. 100% uh, of the greens are all grown and manufactured inside the United States, and they are bioavailable. Now, they've got other products as well. They've got the Microfactor, which you see behind me on every show, uh, and I take them every day. You know, you got essential fatty acids, CoQ10, you get all the stuff you need in one little packet for your daily vitamin pack. And you mix that, you, you make yourself uh, uh, OptiGreens 50 shake, and you, and you take those pills with it, and you're going to improve your life precipitously. You're going to feel better, you're going to look better, 
so on and so forth. So go to firstform.com. That's one S T P H O R M.com forward slash citizen. Use the code. You're going to get free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. You, you mentioned it's an, it's an interesting case study. This guy who, uh, and it's not unique either. This guy who fucking, um, is one of these, I guess I, I would call them like platitude driven people. hundred percent. Uh, the, it's pretty shallow, but it's like rise and grind. This is my year for whatever, blah, blah, blah. And here's, uh, how bad it's been for me. Um, and then you make the follow up point that <clears throat> whatever product you're offering, um, that's that's what matters, right? Like this, all this other stuff is marketing. Marketing is good to some degree, right? But not if it's wrong. Yes. Not if it's false. Um, and in this case, with the victimhood stuff, uh, you're marketing your identity, right? You are. You're marketing your value to society. So instead of saying, "Well, I know, I have this, this, and this skill, and I have this ability uh, uh, to do whatever this thing is that benefits my family and society and shit." And then, you know, that is your identity. Instead, it's like, oh, I'm, well, I'm a victim. Yes. Right? So you should, it's like, well, I'm a, I'm a veteran-owned company or I'm a black-owned yeah. company or something like that. If that's all you've got as a marketing pitch, then your product fucking sucks. 100%. And that includes if it's you as a human being. Like if your product, if we're talking about your identity and your social standing and your value to society, if your product is smoke and mirrors, right, and you don't have substance then you uh, you have no real value. Yes, that's and that sucks, right? Yeah, it's hard for people to face that. I think it's 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 very difficult uh, to do that. And these days, like every major philosophy in the history of the world, has warned about this specific thing mm. um, about <sighs> social media specifically. About uh, uh, you know, I don't think it was prescient necessarily to actual technology and social media. I just think that it's obvious what can happen when a human being goes down that road, right? Yes. So like the Bible says, uh, I think in Matthew 6, uh, something to the effect of um, don't be a hypocrite and pray in public, mm. pray in private, right? Don't, don't put your fucking faith on display. That's not what it's for, right? Yes. Um, this is the same thing we do in social media. Like somebody goes to help a charity or something, they've got a selfie stick. Yes. You know what I mean? It's like, that's not the right deal, man. You're not doing, and, and you know, I, I understand that, you know, whatever motivates somebody to do good things, I think is there's some value to that, but you're, you're, this becomes fruit of the poison tree. Yes. You know what I mean? When you, when it, when the, when the purpose is to, to collect on the debt that you've just created, right. Mm -hmm. By helping somebody, then that's not really helping them. You know Definitely. what I mean? Like you can never live there. I can't remember who wrote this but it used to be my email signature um you can never live a perfect day until you help someone who can never repay you mm. right um and I, I think that's a really important like the way we, the way we think about this stuff is really important the way we think about ourselves and our identity is important in the way that we think about um uh, other people and what they have value wise definitely is important definitely yeah it's funny you talk about that guy that i referenced and i have another i have another buddy it's funny, I know a lot of these people because I think Austin is just filled with this kind of lost, broken, mid to late 20s person that doesn't really know what they should be doing. And I have another buddy who's probably, it's nothing crazy, he's probably like five or six grand in debt to like his parents and a few other people. 
and he's just constantly complaining about how broke he is. And then I, I had to have a really stern conversation with him. And I said, look at the things that you're doing to make money. You're driving for Uber mm. part-time, and then you're affiliating supplements for a brand, and you have 2,000 followers. No shit, you're broke and in this situation. Why don't mm. we find things to do that can actually put money in your pocket so you can get yourself out of debt? Yeah. The first guy that I referenced, I see him at the gym all the time. I see him just kind of like chatting around. I'm like, dude, you have an opportunity where you work at this gym, you're there for 12 hours a day. Why not just try and help clients train or find a way to add value? Mm. And like, cause for myself, whenever I feel like, hey, I could be doing more, hey, we're not making as much money. I know the things that I need, where I know where the I need to water the grass to actually make money for the mm. business. And every time I water that grass, things always work out. Yeah. Um the it's it begins and ends with creating value for people you know what i mean i mean you, yeah. you like that and it's reflected in in secondary education too we have these ridiculous degrees i mean texas university of texas put out a fucking press release last week that they're going to teach uh an elective class on the career of taylor swift for what for motherfucker what? why do you have Forty to a hundred thousand dollars in debt when the when that is the product of that debt. Yeah, that is retarded. Like you are wasting your fucking life. Yeah, seriously. You 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 can you can make more money. That's not a problem. Uh, but you can't get your time back, man. That that what a what a fucking stupid waste of fucking time that is. Oh my gosh, Holy shit, dude. That's honestly a huge reason why I cleaned my act up when I was probably like twenty three or twenty four <clears throat> because I went to such a good school. I was fortunate where my, I think I was saying my dad's a grinder. He did super well. He paid for my full education. You know, Babson is not cheap. Babson's like 80K a year. He mm. paid for everything. And I looked at my GPA, which was probably around like a 3.0 all in. And I was like, I'm an okay student, but I could be so much better. And then I even just looked at my baseball career. I looked at the way I was showing up in my relationships. I looked at my health when I was sick mm. with ulcerative colitis. And I'm like, I basically fast forwarded 10 years down the road if I just continued this behavior. I'm like, you'll actually be a drain on society and a piece mm. of shit and you need to clean it up. And that was really, it was almost that guilt and obligation that I felt from pissing my potential away when I was so young. That was kind of been my superpower now that's helped me a lot. Well, I mean, we tell kids that it's okay now, right? And it is okay to fail. It's not okay to quit. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, I we haven't done a really good job of making a distinction out of that. As a matter of fact, we've even tried to take failing off the table yeah. by, you know, removing standards and shit. I think Oregon just passed a bill um, this fall that they're going to stop certain standardized testing for black and brown people mm. because they don't score high enough. And they don't, I don't, they, I guess they don't want them to feel bad about yeah. it. I don't know what the fuck the purpose of that yeah. is. Um, it's like, it's like scanning somebody for a tumor, finding one and be like, well, you know, what? we're not going to, we're not going to scan anymore. Yeah. Cause I don't want to hurt this guy's feelings yeah. with the cancer he has. Um, but yeah, it's like, um, <clears throat> there's a d shame to some degree at, at the, in the younger part of your life plays a pretty important role in, in your social development. It's like, it's the stick and carrot, right? Mm -hmm. the, the stick is like, shame is a much, uh, more effective stick in my opinion than physical, uh, not even abuse. It's like spanking your kids or something. Yeah. Having the pressure of society tell them that it's not okay to be a fucking loser, mm -hmm. that's important, Yeah, right? And those pressures come in a lot of ways. Not getting a good job, not having to respect your peers, not being able to find a suitable partner. All yeah. these things are, like, are supposed to work in that direction. And it's very interesting to me 
Um, and, and not very surprising that as our standards have lowered our successful outcomes in finding partners, producing children, finding good jobs, managing debt, managing our own emotional health have all plummeted yes. precipitously, right? Because we lowered that standard out of um, some misguided sense of toxic empathy is what it mm-hmm. really is, right? Yeah. Like, oh, it's because, it, you know, I mean, I'm not a dad, but I, I've, I've had a... I've, I've been responsible for people a lot in my life and I don't want to see them hurt. Yeah. I don't want to see my friends hurt, but you know, you can't, <laughs> if you wrap somebody's brain in bubble wrap, they're yep. fucked. Like seriously, they're fucked. Totally. Um, and that's what we've done and you see the outcome of it now. Can you think back to any moments where you had a, a good trusted friend give you the honest, direct, harsh feedback that you didn't want to hear that you actually needed to hear? Hmm. Um, you know, I've always been pretty honest with myself. I think, um, one of my heroes is Carl Sagan. Mm. And one of his quotes is, um, for me, it's far better to accept the universe as it is rather than persist in delusion, no matter how gratifying the delusion is. Mm. Um, and I've always been pretty level headed when it came to that. Now I, you know, you, we all fool ourselves to some degree, I guess. But I don't know if I ever had an experience where somebody shook the cobwebs out of my head and told me to, to fucking straighten up. I think I just kind of figured that out. But um, it would have been probably nice in my teen years. Yes. But li- home life was very tumultuous for me. I didn't really have any guidance. Mm-hmm. So I was just kind of winging it. But I don't know where I would be now. You know what I mean? Like I fucking made it. I, 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 think, I, I think it benefit, benefited me a lot. Uh, especially for my personality type to be kind of on an island for yes. that period of time. Yeah. You know I mean, um, and it's like, it, it kind of brings into question what we're doing as a society. Um, Cause we're, we're having to more and more manufacture uh, stress, right? Like uh, real stress, the kind mm-hmm. that makes you better, not, not anxiety and shit, but real stress, like finding hard things to do. Yeah. But, you know, uh, as I said, it's it's difficult to watch the people you're responsible for struggle or be in pain. Um, and, you know, the standard used to be for, at least for dudes, and I think it's probably the same for women, but for dudes it was like, find a wife, have some kids, have a career, and give your kids a better life than you had. Yes. That, that's kind of the standard, right? Um, but I don't know what that means anymore because mm-hmm. I'm going to have some kids. I don't know how I give them a better life than I had. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to beat them when they're young. Like my dad beat me. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, my life is pretty fucking dope. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm very successful. Um, and I'm well adjusted and I have a good time in life. I don't know how I'm going to do better for them than what I've done for myself, frankly. So I think we need to pivot a little bit and try to understand what better really means. Yes. You know what I mean? I think better just means resilient, prepared for whatever might come because circumstances are going to change pretty rapidly. Yeah. I ask a lot of successful dads that we have on the podcast, how do you instill these blue collar principles into a kid knowing that you love this kid more than anything? You want to give them everything. You have the resources to do so, but then by doing so, you're actually fucking them in the long run. And I still really haven't gotten a great answer and it's still something I think a lot about. Um, but part of why I was asking you that honest feedback is I think you said, I think you said the term toxic sympathy. Empathy, yeah. Empath- toxic empathy. Mm-hmm. 
And I think men on men in particular, like I think a lot about, you know, this show, what does it mean to be a good citizen, a great citizen? I think mm-hmm. part of it is being a great friend and particularly men on men. I think you have an obligation to give your male friends super direct, honest feedback. Mm-hmm. I think you'll think this is funny. Like two years ago, I was just in the wrong relationship. I was 27. I was dating a 40 year old. She was a mess. It was a mm-hmm. toxic situation. And I saw my, there were some friends that I knew that they were noticing that this wasn't the right relationship for me to be in. And I had a buddy who called me up and he was like, look, dude, I love you. You're a super talented, dude. I respect you so much. This is not the girl that you need to be in a relationship with. Mm-hmm. I think you should break up with her and here's why. And I will always respect and remember that conversation because he did the uncomfortable thing and gave me the advice that I needed mm-hmm. to hear. And now for myself, it's like, I do not want to be that friend that sits back when I see one of my other buddies that's doing the things that he should not be doing. Yeah, I mean, I guess I something I do say a lot is who loves you more, the person who uh, pats your back and tells you it's okay when you're trying to jam uh, a, a knife into an electrical socket or the person who slaps it out of your hand and calls you a fucking moron, yeah. right? I mean, I think it's uh, uh, there's plenty of room between those two outcomes but one is clearly better than the other definitely um you're not doing anybody any favors by lying to them that's why i don't participate in any of this fucking pronoun bullshit yeah like it's it is a uh part of it is legit mental illness part of it is just a fucking social contagion Mm -hmm. you know it's a fad like goth or some stupid shit like that but uh people are like well i mean it doesn't hurt anybody to participate and then just call them whatever pronouns they want like yeah it does dude yeah it does fucking hurt them because that's not real. Yes. You're telling you're 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 engaging in lies with them. You're telling them that the lies they believe are true. That you, mm-hmm. you're saying that's not harmful to people. What the yeah. fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Have some fucking balls and say, hey, you know what? You can do whatever you want. You're an adult, uh, but I'm not going to participate in your delusion. Yes. Sorry, I don't mean to be rude or anything, but that's just not going to happen, dude. Yeah. It was like what you said about um people of color not needing to take certain standardized tests, which is really fucking them in the long term. Mm. And dude, I saw that firsthand in the tech company I was in. Like there were a number of people on the sales team that were pure diversity hires, not for color, but more so for them being like trans or gay or whatever. And there was one individual in particular, I don't even, it wasn't even, I don't even remember what her pronouns were. They were so wild, but you, she got fired after like a month because you literally couldn't work with her because you didn't know what to call her. She was like just super over the top, created a, a Slack group channel that non-whites couldn't be in and it was just a mess. So it's like you see that stuff firsthand where you're not doing these people any favors by hiring them for roles or positions that they're unqualified mm-hmm. to be in. Yeah. Yeah, it's dumb. It's dumb. And this, you know, uh, this attitude, this, this lax attitude towards reality in favor of platitude and delusional marketing from the individual's perspective and then from all of society it's pervasive through everything right yes um and uh we can't just talk about victimhood all day we got to talk about what you actually do so uh this shows up on our food a lot right Mm -hmm. and it's it isn't just social contagions it isn't just um uh mass marketing and mass and, and factory farming and stuff like that a lot of it was um the government lying to people yes. right, and people being too stupid to see that, that it was a lie. I don't understand how people in the 1950s who were, you know, uh, engaged in science on a mass scale in a way that had never happened before. There were more mm-hmm. advanced degrees being earned in the 1950s than ever before, right? Because yep. the GI Bill and shit like that. Um, 
because of the nuclear scare and the two bombs we dropped on Japan, people started to understand science a little more, at least to some degree, mm -hmm. right? Um, but when it came to nutrition, processed foods and corn syrup entered the market in the 1950s yes. in a big way. And then the food pyramid followed shortly after that. And every part of that was incorrect. Not, mm -hmm. not just like, not a guess that was wrong, but there's no way people didn't know that was wrong. Yes. You know what I mean? The corn syrup before it was put into human food was used to fatten pigs before slaughter. Yes. Did we really not understand that that was going to be a fucking problem? Mm -hmm. um, and I, I mean, look, it's pre-internet. Who knows, right? Maybe it's hard to find information on shit like that. But our, we, we are essentially food secure in the United States when it comes to calories, but mm -hmm. not to nutrition, yes. right? So we have people who are obese and malnourished at the same time mm -hmm. for the first time in the entire history of humanity. Yes. We have overweight, malnourished people. That's, mm -hmm. that's insane. Yeah, it is insane. Like a, that's like a sleepy crackhead. That doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing when you start to really go down the rabbit hole and you're like, are we in some type of a simulation, like yeah. like you had said, there's there were so many nutritional scientists that existed in the 1950s. How did we really we really get to this point? I think what everyone needs to do is exactly what you do and what I'm trying to do of actually take autonomy over the food that you put in your system. Mm -hmm. And like you said, I think you said it's like attitude and effort are some of the only two things you have control over, and that's true. And then I would say the third leg of that stool is the food and the nutritional inputs you choose to put into your body. So for me, when I had really bad autoimmune issues and was told I was going to be on meds that were 400K a year, mm. it was incurable. There's no hope of getting off this thing. And then I started following an all-meat carnivore diet and eating the exact foods that my doctors were telling me not to eat. That was actually what healed me and cured my inflammation. It cured my microinflammation. Mm. Only patient that my GI had ever gotten off of these drugs before. So that for me was like, okay, you basically need to take the pyramid as it exists flip it upside down because everything they're telling me not to eat is what I ate. That's ultimately what cured me. So that's step one, right? Is like actually fixing the foods and the macronutrients and you feel so good. You get this, you boost your testosterone, your hormones start to regulate. You actually have this mental clarity because most people are just in this consistently low metabolic rut because of all the food-like substances they've been eating. And then the second step is you almost start to become this investigative journalist for lack of a better term, where you start to look into the science and the things that have happened over the last hundred years. And you look at the industrial ranching industry, you look at the processed food industry, you look at the flawed science that was so heavily promoted. And you're like, holy shit, I can pin back to five to 10 stories that kind of put us in the exact, you know, metabolic crisis that we're currently mm -hmm. in where 70% of Americans are overweight or obese. Mm -hmm. And we're spending 16% of us GDP on healthcare costs. Mm -hmm. So it's like, why even fight? You can just eat yourself to death at this point. Yeah, and it's not just obese people either. So 40% of America right now is diabetic or in pre-diabetes. Mm -hmm. And it's not just people. You wouldn't be able to tell just by looking at someone, right? Um, I had a conversation with uh, a woman I know the other day who um, is like skinny, athletic even. She was a Marine. Um, and she was like, yeah, a couple of years ago I was pre-diabetic. So I had to change my diet because we, we just happened to be talking about it. Um, and I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. You were pre-diabetic? She was like, yeah. I'm like, how? She's like, because I was eating like garbage all the time. Mm. It doesn't matter if your your metabolism might be able to keep up with it and burn it, but that doesn't mean your body's getting the shit it needs, right? Definitely. Especially if you're eating, um, you know, bleached and processed flour, like bread products and uh, sugary stuff, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and e even fake sugar, 
is a big problem. I don't think sucralose is doing you any fucking favors. It's man. not. Um, it's tra- It's actually tricking your body. You're better off just eating regular sugar than that. Definitely. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like you can't always tell, and it's very pervasive in society. Um, for whatever reason, I know there's a lot of money to be made both in the production of food and in the uh, what we like to call the sick care system these days, right? To keep people on the fucking medical tit for mm-hmm. their entire lives. But to be honest, the vast majority of stuff you can deal with just with your diet, like yes. literally only your diet. You may have uh, a gene that makes you more susceptible to hypertension, but if you're, uh, if you're inflammatory, inflammation levels are low mm-hmm. it's not gonna fucking happen yeah it won't maybe when you're super old right but inflammation causes it is the root of almost every fucking disease mm-hmm. right except for bacterial and, and viral shit and then some cancers but uh for heart disease which kills 20 percent of americans right yeah it's uh it, it's and it's just inflammation. Mm-hmm. We, we tried to blame the meat. We tried to blame the fat. We made low-fat stuff with high sugar, made inflammation worse, and made the problem fucking worse. Yes. We're goddamn idiots, yep. right? Um, but I feel like there's enough information out there now that people kind of – there's no excuse yes. at this point. There really is no excuse. And to your point, it's fascinating the way that we scapegoat meat. And I think Sacred Cow, that documentary, does a really good job of depicting it. And the statistic is that – the average American only eats two ounces of red meat, but we have 17 tablespoons of added sugar every single day. So it's fascinating to look at the statistics of chronic disease, obesity, type two diabetes, and blame red meat for what we ultimately think sugar is doing to us, which is the ultimate root cause of all inflammation in the body. I have probably 20 ounces of red meat a day yeah, and zero added sugar. I don't think, I don't, I don't know where it would come from. Um, what yeah. do you, you mostly just meet every single day? I eat, so I have a shake in the morning, and the shake has <clears throat> blueberries, um, your protein powder, Noble, a scoop of another protein powder, peanut butter that's natural peanut butter. Um, what else is in there? Uh, MCT oil, magnesium, fiber, and milk. Yeah, raw milk. So. I don't. I I might get some. I mean, you get a couple of grams, maybe. I don't know, but not I, much. I mean, if it's a natural peanut butter and you're drinking raw milk, there's no added sugar mm. in that. Even even if it was like Jeff or something, it's like three grams per two tablespoons yes. of natural sugar. So, like, you can. Man, you don't have to fucking be a psycho about this stuff. Definitely. You don't. You don't have to even be carnivore. For, for a lot of people. Um, I, I think actually having uh, certain fruits, berries especially in your diet, is probably mm-hmm. good for you. Definitely, uh, avocado is good because it ha- is high in in, in uh, omega three fat. It's also very high in fiber. I think it's the third highest fiber content of any vet or mm-hmm. fruit that exists. Um, and I'm not going to eat passion fruit yeah. all the time. It's twenty. It's that's got the most twenty four grams of fiber. Right, mm-hmm. it's got a lot. So maybe slip it in once in a while. But uh, other than that, avocado is one of the best things you can eat. Definitely. Um, but you know, you and this isn't. You don't have to go crazy with this stuff. Just avoid sugar. Like if you you we used to like try to fat was the devil. We try to avoid fat all the time. That's retarded, right? Yep. Uh, and then also another reason why we're, why we're malnourished. So in the same way that salt in your body helps pull moisture, water into the muscles and into the bloodstream, lipids, fat carriers, MCT, animal fat, so on. Uh, omega-3 fat as well 
carries nutrients into your fucking bloodstream. Mm -hmm. That's how it works. It is an Uber for the fucking food yeah. you eat, right? So we went low fat, ate a bunch of sugar, inflamed ourselves, got no nutrition, and we wonder why we're all fucked right now. Yes. You know, and then the one thing that nobody ever really talks about is that 96% of your serotonin is made in your gut, mm. right? The vast majority of your serotonin comes from your gut. Some of it's produced by the brain. The vast majority is produced by the gut. So now we're fat. We're inflamed. We don't feel good. We feel lazy. And we feel emotional yes. all the time. The gut is like space in a lot of ways where we know so little about it, but we're learning more and more how important it is. And I think you, you made an amazing point about whole fat milk. I mean, Dr. Chafee does a really good job of this. There are all these studies from the 1800s, 1900s of people treating soldiers, patients, et cetera, on red meat removal diets. The, one of the founders of the Mayo Clinic would actually put his patients with IBS and Crohn's on a raw milk fast for a week, mm. and they would get amazing results from it too. So like, these are things that we've prized for hundreds, thousands, millions of years that all of a sudden the last really 50 years, we've started to demonize it. And now we're the unhealthiest as we've ever, the, the most unhealthy we've ever been. So I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to figure out what's going on, but I really like the nuance approach that you took about, look, dude, like the shit's not super complicated. I, I challenge everyone, if you just took two weeks, cooked all your own meals, protein forward meals, red meat, chicken, mm. eggs, fish, et cetera, whatever you like, nice whack around like the size of your hand or whatever, eat until you're full, mm. throw in some fruit, throw in some vegetables, throw in some bone broth, some butter, some raw milk, dude, you're gonna be in such a good spot. But the yeah. nutritional space is very similar to the political space where it's like, you have these liberals and conservatives that are so jacked up on one end. It's kind of the same thing with carnivores and vegans when it's really evolutionarily, we're designed to be meat forward omnivores. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, <clears throat> there's certainly, it, it's, it's bizarre the way we divide ourselves politically. Um, like the, someone did a study recently, I think it was 538 and eight silver, uh, or not a, not a study, but just an analysis of different uh, uh, contingents of people. And for some reason, people who uh, supported BLM are very, like, way more likely to have been uh, COVID hawks, like pro-mask, mm -hmm. vaccine mandates, so on. And that same group, that, that same cohort of people is also um, the pro-Palestine people, mm -hmm. right? None of those things have anything to do with each other. Yeah. But for some reason, you know, whether it's because of the parties, the, the individual parties are just, I, I really don't know, to be honest, but we separate ourselves into these weird spaces. And then things tend to, to come back around. The, the healthy eater and vax suspicious person used to be a fucking leftist hippie. Yes. Right? And now it's not, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I, I think there's still a lot of those guys out there. Yeah, they're quite a bit uh, uh, fewer though than the uh, the the, the right-leaning libertarian, Definitely. right? Which is what Joe Rogan really is. Even though he yes. says he's a liberal, he's not. He, I yeah. mean, none of his none of the things he believes are fucking yeah. liberal. Uh, well, I mean, classically you're liberal, yeah, but um, it's very bizarre how we've sorted ourselves like this. And I guess it happens. Sorting always happens, yes. you know, in society. But, um, this, this stuff is getting retarded. I mean, you're, you're, you're killing yourself. You're taking years off of your life. Um, and if you don't care about that, you're taking years away from your family. Yes. You know what I mean? Not just 
actual years of being there, but the, the quality of those years you're going to spend together. And then you're transferring those bad habits onto your kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's fucked. It's just that you can't do this shit anymore. Yeah. One of the things we talk a lot about on the show is that we pretty firmly believe that, um, cause one of the, the big pushbacks you get is, you know, if you're going animal based or you're buying from regenerative, it's more expensive. And we make the argument that number one, it's not more expensive because if you look at the average person's cart, that's not actually mm -hmm. food. That's not doing anything for you. There's zero mm -hmm. nutritional value. So if you subtract all those things out of your cart and you just focus on the really nutrient dense foods, it will be cheaper. But even if it say, even if it was more expensive, red meat should be the most expensive product that you could possibly well, it's buy. the most high quality so why wouldn't it be the most expensive exactly you know what i mean yeah but we've lost this mindset of being willing to give your hard-earned dollars for a great product whether mm. it's like with the artisans the small businesses we choose to support the meat we buy the clothes we buy it's this very globalist let me just save a penny if i can type mindset versus really paying for quality yeah i mean you're gonna get more nutrient dense calories out of just like one New York stripper ribeye from a regenerative farm than you're going to get from anything commensurately priced definitely elsewhere. I mean, it's not even close. Plus you yeah. don't have the, the negative aspects, inflammation and shit like that. Yeah. Um, somebody should, somebody who has the time should really fucking sit down and do this math about the nutritional, like a bioavailability of nutrition mm -hmm. in uh, uh, red meat, fatty red meat, especially, um, versus the average, the CPI index, like the person's cart, like, yes. right? Your grocery store cart and show like, if you, uh, th this is, uh, uh, I guess would be maybe a little obtuse the way you would do it. Uh, but even if you just did rib, only ribeyes, mm -hmm. I only eat ribeyes. That's it. That's yeah. all I eat. And it's compare that to what people eat and then do price for price based on, uh, uh, caloric intake and by uh, bioavailability of nutrients, mm. it wouldn't even be fucking close. Yes. My guess is it would be five to one. So you're talking about, uh, uh, yeah, maybe you're spending two or three times more for this product, but you're getting five more times in value. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. And, and without the medical expenses. Definitely. Because you're not fucked anymore. Yeah. It's like if you look at a Lay's bag of potato chips, it's a really small bag. So it's maybe $1.50 at the grocery store. You're like, oh, but the, you know, the regenerative meat is like 10, 11 bucks a pound for a pound of ground beef. But the problem is we don't take Lay's potato chips and look at it on a per pound basis and actually make that comparison apples to apples. If you take the Lay's chips on a per pound basis, it's almost as expensive as a regenerative piece of meat. And we get into the benefits of what you're talking about, which is viewing these things like holistic assets and having that motivational focal point of, I wanna be the best possible version of myself to provide for my mm -hmm. wife, provide for my kids live on to be able to have these priceless, priceless experiences so I can play catch with my grandson when I'm 75 years old. Mm. That's actually what can happen when you get your shit together. So I think the concept of viewing nutrition from an actual citizen's lens is so paramount right now. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, we're understanding a lot more about aging too, what happens. I mean, like think about cellular mitosis. Um, sorry to take you back to fucking biology in, uh, in high school, but cellular mitosis happens and you're basically creating a copy it's like a stamp you're just stamping a new cell stamping a new cell and over time the stamp and the ink get less and less efficient you know what i mean and it mm -hmm. happens for a variety of reasons but we're finding ways to uh and look i don't want to fucking live forever i'm not trying to be a fucking cyborg or yeah. anything but we're finding ways to uh mute the degradation of cellular degeneration as time goes on right things that are very effective peptides like ipamoral and samoral and things like that 
uh, 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 uh and shit. It's just like we're getting to a point now where you can you can fucking be playing catch with your kids at seventy five, mm-hmm. your grandkids rather at seventy five. That that that's not that that that's not a crazy idea. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, like quality life into your eighties and nineties is is a real possibility now if you start now eating good food and stop eating shit that comes in bags and boxes just stop eating that shit and you'll be, stop eating those two things and stop drinking soda yeah even diet soda don't drink any of that shit and your life will improve dramatically definitely and and you you will live longer yes it's just the way it is everything that we're doing now whether it's the podcast whether it's noble the marketing agency that we have even my relationship with christ it wouldn't have happened if i didn't get my shit together with the food that i was choosing to put into my body because I think what it does is when you start to clear this crap out of your system and you get you get your body out of this metabolic rut, you improve your hormone levels, you raise your testosterone, you really start to think clearly for the first time in your life. And I think I was able to say, look, do I actually like the trajectory that my life is on? Mm-hmm. The honest answer was no. Okay, now let's actually go do something about it too. Uh, yeah, the first step is identifying the problem, you know? Yeah. And then, yeah, you got to admit it. You have to, uh, but it, it's, it's, I think it's the bystander effect to some degree. It's just in your own life where yeah. if you, uh, you know, it's why people avert their eyes when they see somebody trip and fall because they don't want to, it's the, the general idea is that it's secondhand embarrassment, but really what it is, is you don't want to take the responsibility to go help that fucking person. Yes. That's why we step over homeless people. We step over garbage on the street and shit like that. Um, and if you do it in your own life, then that garbage is going to, uh, collect, Definitely. Over time, and that's going to become your fucking life. Yeah. Um, It's this interesting blend of, because people will ask us a lot, you know, are you optimistic about the future of the food system? And my response to that is I'm optimistic if we can do the right job of spreading this information. And I think people are starting to wake up. And then where, where I get pessimistic is seeing a city like New York City, where I was for four years, and you have Mayor Eric Adams, who's plant based or vegan, and he's pushing meatless Mondays and plant-based Fridays on our kids that are actually depending on, a lot of those kids are depending on those meals to actually get nutrition in. And they're getting like a seed oil fried bag of tortilla chips, some shit vegetables, no meat at all. And it's interesting how we live in this time of politicians pushing their dietary preferences on kids and really going against evolutionary science and what we should be eating. It is pretty bizarre. Are for you um, personally? Are you still on uh, carnivore or what do you eat now? Like what's your diet like? So I use carnivore as a tool. Mm-hmm. So if I ever feel like I'm starting to go off the rails, I'll just do it strict. So actually starting last Sunday, I was like, you know what? I just feel like I need to tighten shit up heading into 2024. I'm just going to go back strict carnivore. And I'm not fully strict because I still drink coffee, which technically comes from a plant, but similar to you, like two big ribeyes a day, mm-hmm. three or four eggs, bone broth, a little bit of blue cheese, eat when I'm hungry, fast Fun. when I'm... A lot of people don't realize if you take, uh, you know, a tablespoon of beef tallow and melt and put it in the microwave with your bone broth, it's a, it's pretty nice. It's to so be honest. good. It's like eating gravy, kind of. It's so good. <laughs> it is really good. Yeah, there's this company called Fond that's out of San Antonio. Mm-hmm. The owner's incredible. She's got like six kids and uh, just started making this bone broth for all from regenerative bones mm-hmm. and regenerative farms and started selling it at a farmer's market. Now it's in like Whole Foods Central Market, but it's like cracked pepper, turmeric. Mm-hmm. It's so good. You yeah. throw a little butter in there too. It's insane. But yeah, for me, carnivore has always been a tool. And again, it goes back with, to what you said before. I think a lot of people view going carnivore almost like a religion where they get so scared of fruits and vegetables and this notion of not being labeled as a carnivore because we love being labeled Mm. in these communities. And the purpose of carnivore is to actually build a permeable, resilient body and a gut. 
And then when you have a resilient gut, you should be able to eat things like avocados, like blueberries, mm. et cetera. Like I get it. There are some certain outliers that just do super well on a pure carnivore diet. But I think there's a lot of people that have this um, mental aversion that they've built up to certain foods. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, I like vegetables. They're just fucking pointless. You yeah, know what I mean, they're pointless. Uh, like root, root vegetables I will eat because, um, you know, plants – don't have teeth and claws and brains. So the only way they can defend themselves is by being bio-unavailable in some yeah. way or another. The way that root vegetables solve that particular problem is they hide themselves under the ground. Well, I'm smarter than you. I can find you, right? Mm-hmm. But stuff that grows above ground, for the most part, is fucking pointless, to yes. be honest. Like there's, it's the, especially these days with factory farming, but even if you're... Like if you're growing your own tomatoes and shit, that's good. Good yeah. for you. You should you should do that and eat those all you want. Um, but some like green vegetables and shit, that's they're fucking pointless to be honest. You're not getting shit out of that. Even if you're growing it yourself, you're not really getting anything out of that. Yeah. Um, which is weird because the FDA will tell you that you need to eat 28 servings of those a day. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, right, dude. For yeah. what fucking purpose? Yeah. The reason you have to eat so much is because um, even intrinsically the absorption rate is extremely low because there's no fat at all on it unless you're eating it with legumes or fucking animal fat um and with today's factory farming bioavailability of nutrients are pretty much non-existent yes like you shouldn't have to eat 28 servings of something Mm -hmm. and if you do then just fucking move on dude there's no fucking point in that shit yeah your point on bioavailability is so important and something that needs to be more mainstream because we you know, on social media, Game Changer, some of these other plant-based films that got popularized based off of shoddy, no science, really just like really effective marketing. People will look at, oh, the vitamin profile of broccoli versus meat. It's even stronger in these certain nutrients, but it's the bioavailability piece. The number means jack shit. It's what are you actually absorbing? And animal foods are statistically the most nutrient-dense bioavailable things that your body will actually absorb. Mm. Well, these are things that you uh, talk about regularly. Tell people about your show. Yeah, so the podcast is called the Meat Mafia Podcast. I co-host it with uh, my breast, my best, I almost said breast friend, best friend mm-hmm. Harry, who you've met. Mm-hmm. Um, we're 260 episodes in, and it's really addressing the fundamental question of, you know, how do we really fix the food system and teach people how to connect with ranchers, benefits of animal products, different health and wellness practices. We just try and keep it really simple, really applicable, really positive. And we really come off more as like the informed consumer. And then we're facilitating great conversations with our guests. Um, and then we just recently came out with our, our protein powder, Noble Origins, which you've been taking in your morning mm-hmm. shake, which you really appreciate. Yeah, um, it's good. Yeah, it's an all-in-one animal-based protein mm-hmm. powder. And what that means is the protein actually comes from beef. So it's coming from the muscle and connective tissue mm-hmm. of the cow. So it's really high protein, really high bioavailability. Um, there's colostrum powder, which is great for the gut. It's great for um, immunoglobulins as well, too. Um, there's a full organ complex in there. So it's just nobleorigins.com. And we're just going to keep fighting until we get more people on this movement. Yeah, I mean, definitely it's uh, it's a very good product. I take it pretty much every day. Um, and, you know, I would, I would recommend um, a good MCT oil powder. Definitely. Oil or powder, one of the two, um, should be part of your daily routine as well. We just don't get enough. We don't get enough good lipids anymore. I mean, that it, the, this HDL versus LDL thing is all a canard, to be honest. Yeah. But uh, these are, you know, you, you, you need a lot of good fat in your body. Yeah. Good fat. I, the reason I said that about it being a canard is because good fat 
people think means LDL, mm-hmm. but I mean just good fat. I don't Definitely. give a fuck about any of that nonsense. Yeah. Did you ever hear about that, <clears throat> that Arctic explorer Stephenson from like the early 1900s? Yeah, he wrote a he wrote a fucking thing about the Inuits, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah about ship. how they only eat animal animal protein and yeah. fat basically because there's no fucking vegetables yeah. growing in the goddamn arctic yeah he was like bewildered at how good he felt because his ship got stranded with the inuits mm-hmm. for a year so he followed their diet felt amazing came back to the u.s was like i don't need vegetables i don't need fruit i don't need anything but meat so the bellevue hospital did a study where he went basically pure carnivore for a year in like mm-hmm. 1910 and the only time he got sick was he noticed he was eating cuts of meat that were way too lean Mm. up this fat and felt immediately better afterwards so to your point people that go wrong with carnivore they're typically not getting enough good lipids or enough good fat so i'm like yeah. pretty liberal with tallow butter they're eating chicken and fucking fillets 100 like, percent. fine right like but that's not the that's not the thing man yeah uh people like <laughs> i remember my ex from like 10 years ago i'm uh like I baked chicken wings and I'm eating them. She goes, you know how much fat's in that skin? I'm mm. like, hopefully a lot. You yeah. dumb bitch. I want more. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. That's the only part of the chicken that's even valuable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and it's why we don't eat enough fish either, but uh, I'm very suspicious of the fish these days. Definitely. Right? I mean, it's just farmed all the hell and back. So I'm not too concerned about eating fish anymore. Um, yeah. They're coming out with crazy studies that apparently grass finished bison has a better a better omega-6 profile than wild caught fish which is really interesting so that's what's cool too is as we get more scientific studies to back a lot of this stuff that are going to be pro red meat it'll be interesting to see what happens if we continue to suppress the science if we're able to use social media effectively to get this stuff out Mm. but yeah apparently grass finished bison is more nutrient dense than wild caught salmon uh that's not surprising um what are you gonna do yeah Uh, all right well tell everybody where they can find you before we get out of here yeah, appreciate it, man. Um, podcast is the Meat Mafia podcast. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube as well. We post all the long-form episodes on YouTube. Um, my Twitter handle, which is where we put out most of our content, is Meat Mafia Brett. And then if you're interested in getting some noble protein, and the website's just nobleorigins.com. All right, guys, go check it out. Uh, thanks for coming today. I appreciate the conversation. Appreciate it, brother. Yeah, man, thank you all for listening. This has been Citizen. Citizen.